Welcome to Your Mental Breakdown, the podcast where you get to follow along with the client in real therapy sessions. And you'll hear two licensed psychotherapists breaking it down afterwards so you get a better understanding of what we do and how we do it. This week, we're doing the show while Meredith is in Lake Tahoe, and I'm home entertaining my dog, and vice versa. In the session, Drew moves around different stages of grief and loss after his recent breakup. We talk about the different roles we play in relationships and all the baggage we carry around with us that can come to the surface when we get triggered. In the breakdown, Meredith and I explain concepts of emotional dysregulation, disproportionate response, and incongruent reactions. All big terms to look at what got triggered and everything underneath that's coming up. Stick around. I am Doug Friedman. And I am Meredith Levy. And this is Your Mental Breakdown. The podcast. Hello. Hello there. Coming to you live from Lake Tahoe. Not live at all, but live for you. (laughs) Pre-recorded from Lake Tahoe. Came up here for a little while to enjoy the lake in the Tahoe. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's... I've heard a lot of people getting out of LA for a few days, you know, and just giving themselves a break, getting out of, I, I don't know that people are able to do that everywhere, be right. interested. Because yeah. in LA, it's super easy to drive for a complete, you know, stretch and go somewhere completely Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. It's I, when I realized that I could, I was like, wait a minute, why haven't I gone anywhere? I'm Zooming everything. So why not? Right. So yeah, it's nice. Where are you going to go, Doug? <laughs> I'm laughing because right now, uh, my dog oh, is going nuts on the couch. My next to God, me. what are you doing, Beckett? <laughs> oh my God, right on the couch, of course. I think he just ate breakfast. He just finally ate it, and he came in, and this is his way of we call it snarfing, like because it's the sound it makes when he just like rubs up against the couch and kind of scratches his face, and I don't know, maybe wipes his mouth. Is he wiping his face off after eating? Basically. Something like that. What do you feed him? Do you feed him fancy food, healthy food, organic food? Healthy food, uh, yeah. There's debates on whether grain-free is good for dogs or not. I kind of do a combo, but he's he's a weird eater. Like he will want to eat and want to know what you're eating. So whatever I'm eating, I generally put a little on the top of his food so that he'll eat it. Because if I don't, he he won't. You eat very healthy as well. Yeah. I mean, but this kid, I mean, he'll eat off of my plate. He'll eat asparagus, uh, broccoli, uh, Brussels sprouts. Oh my God. Asparagus just makes my pee smell too weird. You know, on 23andMe, have you ever done that? Yeah, I did do that. I don't know that I ever looked at the results, but I sent it in. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh my God. No. Well, on there, it'll tell you, you know, what your traits are and based on your chromosome, whatever, not chromosome, whatever. Yeah. Chromosomes, what the traits should be. So it'll say like, yeah, you should have light eyes or light hair or whatever. And it'll tell you if your pee smells from asparagus and mine does. You know, it isn't whether or not your pee smells, it's whether or not you can smell it is what I've heard. Oh, 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 that makes sense. That makes sense. So I think 
everybody's pee has that odor, but only a certain number of people can actually smell and detect that odor. Oh my God. So I'm special because I have asparagus pee detector scent? That's right. You are the asparagus pee detector. I always knew I was special. Asparapee. <laughs> I'm an asparapetus. Asparapis. That's what it is. <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. Speaking of asparapetus. <laughs> <laughs> Sure, we can go with that. Sure, sure. So uh, we um, have a fun session coming up. I don't know if fun's the word, but so you guys heard about the breakup. Yeah. Big deal. And then moving forward and some healing going on. Yeah. You know, part of what I really like that listeners are getting a glimpse of is that, you know, you go through a breakup and, and most of us will talk to a friend or something like that. And, and you don't just have one conversation and then you're good you go through it. It's a process and people are getting to hear Drew's actual process and the stuff that we work on and how we work on it. And they can see his kind of evolution and his motion through the process of, of grief and loss. And, and you'll hear, we, we kind of touch on quite a bit of that in the session. Right. Okay. Well, let's, let's hear it. Well, here it comes and we'll be back with you in a little bit. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. kind of like thinking about a lot of the last couple of days it's just like me and her relationship and like what it really was and like all of that and i think my struggle right now is almost jealousy i'm so i'm jealous that she can walk away and not feel what i feel in in my head you know what i mean like, <laughs> like cause i don't know where she feels <laughs> but like in yep. my head it's just like she can just walk away pretend like nothing happened and like that's that like that's what i want I want so badly just to like get over this and like not feel like shit. Went over to her house. I mean, it really reaffirmed what I thought. You know, I, uh, cause I texted her roommate and I was like, hey, I'm gonna come by like tonight. I'm gonna grab the rest of my stuff. Like, it'd be nice to see you, like say goodbye, like that kind of thing. And she was like, all right, cool. I'm working out. She'll be home around 8.30. I texted her probably around like 9.10. And I was like, hey, like I'm on my way. Like, I'll see you in a minute. And she was like, oh, I think I'm just gonna stay in bed. And I was like, what? Okay, fine. I was like, how am I getting my stuff, though? And, and she was like, uh, I don't really know. Can you come tomorrow? And I was like, no, like, I'm coming right now. Like, I'm already in my way. Like, you can just leave it outside. And then she was like, oh, okay, perfect. Really reaffirming that, like, like, that's crazy. It's not just crazy. It's disrespectful and invalidating. Mm -hmm. And it, it feels small. It feels really small. Yeah, you know, and then... Uh, I mean, she buzzed me in and I came up and all my stuff was outside their front door, which was like, okay. And I was, you know, I was fine with that. Like, like it almost helped me. She wrote me a letter and I shouldn't have read it. I should have just left it there, you know, like, okay, I was cool. I get it. This is like facts in front of me of what they're doing to me mentally. And then she'll go and write like a love letter essentially of like how much she loved me and like how it's just not the right time. And like, hopefully like a week, a month, a year, we can talk again and be friends and it's like, like for myself, I can't do that. And, and I think where my head's at now is more so like, I think I'm in the acceptance stage of this, of coming to terms of like who she, who she really is, what our relationship really was, not what I thought it was. Mm. And more so shifting the focus now onto not what I did wrong, but what is this going to allow me to do? Mm. You know, like, what freedom now am I going to be able to experience? Where am I going to meet? Where am I going to go? 
what are the things I'm going to see, you know, like that kind of mindset. Yeah. I'm okay right now. I'm not good or bad. I'm just kind of like in the middle. I feel very fragile. I think that's the best way to say it. I'm not insecure. I'm not like, I'm not scared anymore. You know, it's just like I'm fragile right now. Yeah. You know, and sometimes people describe that as feeling raw, yeah. feeling, you know, exposed. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that happens for sure. And this is where we get to really feel our strength, yeah. not our defenses. Yeah. Our defenses will protect us. Mm-hmm. What we're really looking for is that that rawness, that expose, that fragility. Like yeah. we want it to be strength. Yeah. And it can be. And you're getting a chance almost to rebuild. Like, uh, well, what's important to me? What can I fill it mm-hmm. with? Mm-hmm. You know, what can I reinforce this with? Right. Not defend. But it's, yeah, my faith, mm-hmm. that's big for me. Right. My real friends. Yeah. And let me let me look for people that really have my interest at heart. Right. People that are supporting me, that trust and that loyalty that you were first talking about way back, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. That's what I want to connect with. Right. And I think, yeah, you, you are moving towards that stage of acceptance. I will just say, yeah. remember, yeah. it's not like, cool, now I won't get angry again. Now I won't be in bargaining or denial or any of that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. no, you're going to, you're going to spin through a lot of that. Right. I mean, today might feel a lot different than it did when I saw you just a few days ago. Right. I think I was better on Monday than I was today. How so? I, I think the other thing that's playing like over and over in my head right now, and it's a what if, I'll give you that. It's what guy's going to take my place. I think that's the hard part for me right now because, like, you throw the lonely factor in there. And then that's when I start thinking about who she's with, what she's doing, how she's feeling, like, all that kind of stuff. Who are you with? What are you doing? Yeah, I'm alone, <laughs> chilling. Right now? Yeah. And right now, that feels like a weakness. Right. Because it wasn't necessarily by choice. Right. Sometimes it is, and we still might feel that. Mm-hmm. That idea of, yeah, who's going to take my place? All right, who's going to take her place? Right. But we're not there right now. Right. You and I can have that conversation and we'll look at, you know, who I'd want to, to bring into my life and what I'd want to get out of something for sure. Yeah. And that will feel kind of good. Mm-hmm. Might still be a little lonely in the background, right. but that'll be in the background. At the foreground will be what I'm looking forward to, what I'm looking ahead to. Yeah. Right now, we're kind of looking back. And that idea of who's going to take my place is a version of saying I wasn't good enough. Right. Somebody's going to be better. There's some problem or some fault in me. And if I could only have been that or done that, then this would not have happened. And again, I'm transcending you and old girlfriend and talking about your whole approach and view on life. Right. Especially mom, friend, cousin. Yeah. All of these. Yeah. What do you think of all that? I think I've told myself this is the worst one yet. Like I've been through a lot of shit, but this feels very, uh, it just feels more than all the rest. And I think it's because all the rest came along with it. You know, I, I think now is like a point in my life where like I've been trying to deal with a lot of stuff and now I kind of have to and not not in this. It's, it's still a choice. Like, I don't have to do it. I can curl up and, and call it a day. But like, I don't like, I don't want to, you know. Yeah. I mean, this is when people talk about, oh, he's got a lot of baggage. That's what we mean. Yeah. Carrying all this stuff around with you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think your insight is awesome, man. Yeah. From day one, I was like, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You're kind of going, and you even said it maybe a couple months ago, like that, maybe I need to step away in order to take care of myself. I mean, it's almost like going, I need to check into some hotel with these bags and unload them all on the bed and just go, all right, what clothes do I actually wear? What do I not wear? Let me get rid of stuff. Right. You know, let me pull this back out. 
it's it's unloading that and picking it apart and looking at it. That's what we're doing. Yeah. It's not going to happen, you know, one night in the yeah. hotel room, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it did. Fuck, let's go book a room yeah, and right. take care of this shit, right? Yeah. But it happens over time. Mm-hmm. And you're willing, and I think very eager to look through that and deal with it so it doesn't follow you around. And you're absolutely right that that insight that I'm talking about is going, yeah, this one's the hardest, not because I loved her more than my cousin, than my mom, or any of that mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. It might be because I've loved her most recently, but I think what you were saying, that bag, that cumulative effect of all of it. Definitely. And like, yeah, this one's been hard. You know, like it's one of those things where like, I just can't snap out of it. I feel like I'm still like dreaming almost. And like, I, I'm still living my reality. And I think I've gone through this in a healthy way. It's just not working. But it's taking a little more time than you want. You right. want to snap out of it. Yeah. Even like you said, in your head, yeah. I want to be like I perceive old girlfriend to be, which is not correct. And we know that. Yeah. It's a projection. Mm-hmm. I would like to think that she's able to just turn the page, move on, doesn't even think about it, no problem. Right. I guarantee you with 99.9% accuracy that that's not how she feels. Right. 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 She might be putting up defenses instead of unloading those bags and looking at what's inside. Maybe. Yeah. But she's not just doing what is in your head. Yeah. It's that story and that projection that you're saying, oh, going through it that way? Yeah. Man, I wish I could do that. Yeah. Because this has feelings mm-hmm. and they don't feel good. And that's hard. Yeah, it's the first time I've gone through something like actually feeling it. Really? Yeah. Tell me about that. I mean, dude, you've been through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and to say to me, like, this is the first time I'm actually letting myself feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think because uh, I started young going through that shit, you know, I think as a kid, I had the ability just to to be in shock and let the shock wave like right itself. And then by the time I was out of shock, I didn't even have to think about it anymore. Mm. You know, like it just didn't seem real. And it, it almost wasn't reality for a really long time. This situation was reality since of, like, like the second it happened. And so, like, I had, I never really went into shock, I don't think. It was just pure emotion. And fighting through that and figuring out what emotion's what and why. And, and being okay not having answers, you know, because, like, as a kid, like, I had a lot of answers and I kind of knew what was going on and, and why. This one, I have no why, I have no answer. I have, it was just a goodbye. And so that's the struggle right now is why did this happen? If I can at least understand the reason for it. And as a kid, I mean... Yeah. Brother. Okay. There's the reason for, yeah. If you go out there, I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah. Friend. Yeah. I OD. Yeah. I mean, maybe what led to that, but I don't think at that age you were right. processing that cousin. Yeah. I kind of see what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Mom. I mean, you even said like uh, when you were 13, you realized she had a problem, but yeah. maybe couldn't understand what that meant. Right. So the reasons for it help our understanding and maybe help alleviate some guilt that we might carry if I could have made a difference. It also doesn't change mm-hmm. that it's still the reality. Honestly, I don't have any hope for us to get back together at any point. I mean, looking back at our relationship, like it wasn't good for me. Like it really wasn't. I was I like her a lot and I think she's like a good person. I think deep down she's a really good heart. It's hard to understand for me that like how can you have a good heart? How can you be a, be a good person and be so shitty at the same time? My brain doesn't comprehend the two worlds like that. What did you say that was true and what wasn't true? 
and why, you know? What's important about that for you? I'm not saying it's not important. Yeah. I think validation feel like completely invalid. And I think that I don't want to say I wasted a year because I learned a lot and like, I am going to come better on the other side of this. You know, I can see that. I can feel that. I know it's coming. I don't know when. I just don't want it to be like 20 years down the road. You know, I want it to be like, I want it to be right now, but I'm okay waiting a couple of weeks. It's just like with everything else that's going on, I don't like, I don't have time to deal with this over the next two years. I got to kick my ass in gear. I got to keep going. And like, I like I know all of that. And I've, I really rested the last 10 days. You know, I've done stuff mm-hmm. that I wanted to do. And I think I've been distracting myself in like a good way. It's just like, it went from, you know, last Monday being upset for 24 hours straight to like yesterday I was upset for like two hours. You know, so I, I definitely see the progress and right. I definitely see where I'm at. It's just shit that I have those two hours. I, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. What do you hate about it? I hate not being able to, like, go do what I want to do because I'm thinking about her. You know, I, I feel like she has control over that aspect of me right now, and she shouldn't. And I, I shouldn't even have, I shouldn't give her the control over what I want to do. But I am. How? I think my friends and family know me as, like, the happy kid. Yeah, okay. So last night, my uh, at church, pastor was talking about how his role is the pastor. And to lead a church and to do all that stuff, like the church has to see him in a certain role and, and they can't, like, you can't accept him in anything else. You can't accept him with like certain faults. You can't accept, like your brain can't look at him and have him be faulty and still be the head pastor type yep. of thing. He was talking about like how he's constantly in a role and like all this stuff. And like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, not with my really close friends and family, but with my more like outer circle. Mm-hmm. of people it's hard for me to be vulnerable like i am with my inside circle because i'm in a role with them and right. i want to keep that role and, right and because i'm so new to everything career-wise that i'm doing this is not how i want to start knowing these people you know i don't i don't want this to be how they know me especially if it's like a short-term thing i don't know how long i'm gonna be with him you know like it could be next week it could be the rest of my life really want to put my best foot forward just so i can kind of give myself the time to like heal to the point where I can distract enough to get back into my role. Yeah, really good insight. Yeah. You know, and your pastor's dead on. That's why if you look early on, little kids, when they see a teacher outside of the classroom, they freak out. Yeah. If it's at the market buying groceries, like, what? (laughs) Mr. Wilson buys groceries? He eats apples? What the hell? It just doesn't seem right because it's outside of that role. Right. Right. And part of what you're describing to me is my role is to be the fun guy, the happy guy, you know, the upbeat, always looking forward. And, and there's a reality, which is I don't feel that all the time right now. Yeah. If it's for two hours a day, if it's for two days a week, if it's for two weeks in a row, I want to be able to just feel what I'm feeling instead of just put on the smile and put on the face and be that for everybody and play the role. I don't want to play the role. I want to be my role. I want to be me. Right. And right now, me is a little sad. And we have to honor that that's just part of where you are. It it will pass to a degree for Mm -hmm. sure. And it will become a part of you and you will find your strength in it. This is the process, man. And it's it's in part getting to tap into what are some of the other feelings coming up? Where are they coming from? What bags have I been carrying with me this whole time? You're going to feel it everywhere, good and bad. Right. Right. Red cars and white cars. Right. So my mom came down for the last couple of days. Just some of the conversations I had with her, 
and knowing that her knowing me as a person too like from get-go has really helped me like insight like know who I am too just because it was so raw you know and she made a really good point that like me as a person like I need a person in my life to love and care for like I need that I took a step back from that and asked myself like do I need to be codependent with somebody Hmm. or do I really just want to love somebody you know and I think there's a huge difference there well I'm getting a dog so I don't have to think about that right you know I can give my love to this animal and like take care of it and vice versa without any backlash and right you know I can have that I am looking at getting a dog here pretty soon nice so I'm pretty excited I love that and I, and I think that also kind of gave me a hope of excitement to bring something I can love back into my life mm-hmm. without having to emotionally, like, get involved with a girl again. It gave me, like, hope for the first time in, since last week. And that felt really good. And I, and I guess I'm just trying to take a step back and not get emotional about getting an animal because I know how much that takes and I know how much I have to support it and like all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and so I guess I'm trying to take a step back and not I'm just not trying to make any decisions out of emotion right now just because I know I'm so fragile and I know I know what I need I just don't know how to get it yet yeah and and you're you're refining it and you'll find it you know that what I need and then you'll hopefully be able to ask for it not just go get it right 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 you know it's funny when my first dog passed dog I had for 13 years yep Loved him. I think I've told you about mm-hmm. him a little bit. I mean, he was my camping buddy. We disappeared again. I mean, it was just me and him, you know, yeah. for a long time. And my mom said after he passed, you know, Franklin, your dog, Franklin and your wife are the only two creatures that you've allowed to love you unconditionally. Yeah. The way she said that really struck me. Yeah. Yeah. And I see your That's wheels cool. spinning. What do you yeah. think of that? Because I felt that I had a dog too. Mm. You know, that, like, I spent, like, age 8 to, like, 19 with. Yeah. And, like, slept in my bed type of thing. You know, like, yeah. we did everything together. Yep. He passed on my birthday. You, you know? Wow. Yeah, I went, on, I went out for a trip with my ex, ex-girlfriend. And I got back that night. We went out to dinner for my birthday. And I came home. And we had to go put him down. Wow. So he waited for me, which was really cool. And, like, we said bye. And, like, it was all that. But, like, I totally understand that feeling. Because, like, I mean, everything that I went through as a kid... Like, timeline-wise, like, mm-hmm. it was me and him. And so, like... Yeah. Yeah, I totally feel that. Yeah, that was a big stretch. And it, and it was, you know, and I told you last week when we talked about it, like, putting him down was beautiful and yeah. horrible. Right. And it was the toughest thing, but that idea of that unconditional love, he was always there. And he was dependent on me. Right. What's been amazing is about a year and a half ago, I got another dog. Mm-hmm. And I'd said, like, no, did it. Had my boy for 13 years. I'm done. That's it. Don't need another one. (laughs) Nothing will compare to him. Forget it. And found a new guy, and he's got incredibly soulful eyes, just like the last one, and rescued him. And he saves me every day. Yeah. Love him. And he loves me unconditionally. Yeah. Like, oh, right, it's that again. You know, you mentioned the word codependent. Mm -hmm. You know, do I need to love something or do I need to be codependent? It's not one or the other. Right. There's something called interdependence. Mm. Independence, I'm fully on my own. Codependence, I rely on the other person. Interdependence, kind of go a little bit of both, like yeah. the missing piece books, right? Right. I'm my own thing, they're their own thing, and we can roll together. Sometimes we will be rolling right on top of each other and smack dab together. Yeah. Sometimes we'll go the other way, but we know we're coming back. Right. And a dog, we think sometimes represents that, but it's they're totally dependent on us. Right. And they love us unconditionally. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's part of what you're looking for. Like, that's what I, I want to feel that again. Yeah. And you don't get that in a relationship. Right. Not completely. You didn't get that from mom because mm. there were absolutely conditions. Right. Even though she was just here and that probably felt great. Yeah. There were times when, you know, you're still worried about her. Right. Well, and, and it's funny because, like, this was, like, the first trip where, like, going into it, I knew it was about me. Mm. And I knew she was coming down to just, like, be and, like, hang and not. Like, there was no expectations. There was no nothing. You know, we went on a mm. hike. Like, we just kind of, like, kicked it. Like, going into this trip, I was like, I don't want to go shop. I don't want to do anything. I just want to be with you. I just want to hang. And, like, it was really nice because we, we really had some really good conversation. But I didn't worry about her at all. You know, she sat there and mm. worried about me for a while. Yeah. Which was really nice. Yeah. And I needed that. I, yeah. de- I definitely needed that. That's a cool flip. Yeah. Yeah. Something I haven't had in a while. Even just letting yourself be cared for right. when you need it. It's not saying I'm helpless. Yeah. Rescue me. It's just saying, yeah, I'd like the support a little. I'm wounded. I'd like to lick my wounds. Right. You know, and I'd like a little comfort while I do that. You know, I say to some clients that are, you know, a decade or two older than you, sometimes even then we just want our mommy. Yeah. Some people find that in other things, good and bad. Right. They'll exercise, they'll dive into work, they'll dive into drugs, whatever it might be. They'll go get a rebound relationship, Mm -hmm. any of those things. And you're kind of going, I'm feeling this for the first time. Let me go easy on myself. Let me get a little comfort. Let me find some strength. I mean, you're in here. Yeah. I give you big props for kind of going, Okay, I'm going through this shit. Can we can we go twice a week just just to kind of really yeah. right? Yeah, you're taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You, yeah, not mom. She didn't come here to rescue you. Right. Yeah, and like it feels that feels good. It does. You know, it, and it's. Uh, I think all this is really building my self confidence of knowing like what I can really get through. And I think I'm allowing myself to still be vulnerable to people. I think just like the biggest thing in my heart is just one that this isn't my fault because mm-hmm. it's not. And two, that I have to stay, like, open to people because I can see how people get so closed off from stuff like this. And I know this happens to other people. Like, I'm definitely not the only one that's been through this. And so I guess, like, it's just building, like, my security blanket of, like, here's another, like, piece of ammo that I can use as I get older Hmm. to be able to, like, relate to people. I've never been through this. And so, like, I had friends come to me in high school that were heartbroken. And I'm like, no, man, we'll be all right. Like, come on, let's go. And and now it's, like, kind of giving me the ability to kind of, like, really understand what, like, that looks like. Right. Because I've been in heartbreak other places in my life, but not from an emotional, like, relationship standpoint. It's definitely given me a lot of backing to kind of, like, build my ground again Mm. and, and make me a lot stronger. (laughs) like i said and and right there i just saw it like that's great yeah we can keep telling ourselves that yeah let's push that aside for a second Mm because that that's all true right i can give you the i don't know if you know who tony robbins is yeah motivational speaker yeah yeah yeah. i can give you the tony robbins (laughs) speech you can walk out of here pumped and be like yeah i'm doing my own thing this is great this is the best thing that could happen to me right yeah and then in a couple hours that'll wear off and you'll be home in your place alone like what am i doing for dinner I guess I'm getting dinner and you will fucking lose it. Yep. It's exactly how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a reality here that the strength doesn't come from some motivation for something or, you know, in what you're telling yourself to be true and the role that you're going to play. It comes from being able to walk through. Right now, I feel sad. Yeah. 
you know, that, that's that, that radical acceptance I was talking about mm-hmm. last week, like being able to accept reality as it is right? without changing it, without taking the fault or blame for it, just going, and it is, it sucks. I think like the, the radical acceptance just clicked. Like it's okay to be sad. I can be sad right now. It's not a forever thing. I won't always feel this way. I think it's just time, you know? And like, that's what I'm worse with. Time sucks for me. And what I'm trying to do is like stay busy and distract and, and go out and do stuff. I just don't want to do anything. I don't want to go meet new people. I don't want to hang out with anybody. Sure. You know, I just want to, I don't want to be alone, but I want to be alone. I don't want to be a downer for everybody and woe is me and all that. Don't want to be that either. Okay. What do we want? Something in the middle. Yeah. Where I don't have to put on that front. I don't have to be happy. I don't have to wallow for too long, too deep. I want to be here, which is, yeah, I broke up with my girlfriend. Mm -hmm. I'm alone right now. Yeah. I know I will be okay, fine. But right now, I don't feel okay. And it's it's not just it's I'm not okay and that's okay. It's I'm really sad and that's okay. Yeah. I can feel sad without plummeting. Yeah. You know, I can feel sad and not fake it and be that, right? Yeah. Because the truth is, yeah, we are alone. It's great to have companions for a while. Yeah. Even dogs. Right. Won't last. Right. It feels sometimes pretty lonely, pretty scary, Mm -hmm. pretty sad. Yeah. You're allowed to have that. For right now, I'm sad, heartbroken. I'm going to feel that. Allowing yourself to go through all that. This is where I am. Yeah, it's okay. Because I'm still here. Yeah. Absolutely. Still going. And she's not going with you. Right. Which is okay. I think I am sad that she's not in my life anymore. I, you know, I, I think that's very, very true. But I don't I don't correlate the amount of emotion that I'm feeling or have felt over the last 10 days to her. You know, this emotion, it, it's completely out of proportion. You know, mm-hmm. it's just my emotions are so out of proportion right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to reel them in and really focus on, like, reality. Yeah. Because once I'm in reality, like, I'm cool. It's the other sides where yep. the good and the bad that are extreme yep. where I find myself struggling. Because, like, I know this is, like, like, I know it's out of proportion how sad I am over this. I got to tell you, I am so proud of myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> really. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because I sat over here and just shut up for a second let you find that word. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You will hear me talk a lot about a disproportionate response to something. Right. Most arguments with couples and fights, you know, that they tell me about, whether it's an individual or a couple in here, isn't about the thing that they fought about. Right. You know, and if they can recognize, whoa, what's this really about? That's a disproportional response. Yeah. I had a couple, they had a fucking blowout fight in Hawaii over a toothpaste cap. Yeah. And they came in here (laughs) and I was like, you really think it was about the toothpaste cap? Yeah. You know, and they got to, like, that was when they felt it was a disproportionate response because who cares about the toothpaste cap? Right. But it was a buildup, an accumulation of a lot of other things. Yeah. And that's when they actually got to recognize what a trigger was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got triggered. Mm-hmm. Oh, that means I got triggered into this mode right. to protect myself, to lash out, whatever it was. But what got triggered was all this stuff I was carrying around, all the baggage, all the hurt, all the pain, all the 
things I didn't voice before. And I think you're re- realizing like the response that I have to this, the deep emotional response mm-hmm. is disproportionate. Yeah. Okay. So that means there's something underneath that. There's something else that's coming up, that accumulation, that stuff that I've shelved for a long time that I've had to yeah. survive and push through. Right. But I haven't processed. I'd forgotten about your cousin too. Yeah. I mean, that one was huge. Yeah. And we got that, we got friend, we got brother, we got mom. That's where you went emotionally was all that stuff under it. And your response carries a lot of that. Yeah. You know? yeah. I think now we've got an opportunity to dig at that stuff and look at what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Look at what you're carrying with you. Yeah. And see what that looks like, see what that feels like. Yeah. You know, so we don't just put it all on this relationship. Right. Because like this relationship had nothing to do with any of that other stuff. I'm trying to balance the two of like, yes, that isn't a good relationship for me and understanding what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And then two, understanding that my emotion isn't coming from her leaving. It's from everybody else leaving. We can just say it is, it's from being left. From being left. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And so I'm trying to like sort everything out. Uh, I'm in my sorting mode. You know, I, I kind of got through my emotional phase. That's still emotional, so fragile, still all that. But now I'm a little bit more rational into the sense of like, I can look back at it and be like, oh, that's completely irrational response. Like I get sad, but I don't, I don't get sad like I've been sad. I just don't get this way. I've, yeah. Like I've never been this way. Yeah. And maybe it's a sign of strength that somewhere in the back of my mind, I know I'm strong enough to allow myself to feel this way. Yeah. I have support now. Yeah. I probably have more strength inside than I recognize. So I can allow this to come out. Right. Because now I can process all this. I can process all of it. I don't just have to carry this one piece. Right. Which I'm excited for. Yeah. You know, and like, I think this is like a crazy time of like healing in my life. I never really thought I'd be here, but uh, I am. And like, let's, you know, like, let's do it. But doing it, I think for you, there's only one time that matters, which is the present. Right. And in your present, you're going, okay, I want things to be different. Yeah. Just remember to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. Yeah. That's where the validation really comes from. Yeah. It's that, oh, right. I am sad right now. Oh, it's a little disproportionate because there's other stuff there. And this is what I'm feeling. Okay. I'd say don't be afraid to, to journal some stuff. There's like, stuff that, one, yeah. Good, 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 good. As soon as you recognize that it's a disproportionate response, you go, right, because the response is coming from all of this. It's going, oh, man, I didn't re- realize this. Oh, yeah, that is there. Yeah. That stuff's going to come. It's not like the floodgates are going to overtake <laughs> you and you're fucked. It's just great. This is what we've got to go through and work through, and right. we will. Right. But allow yourself that, you know, like I said, going to that hotel room and dumping the bags I'm on all the clothes on the bed and everything just like, yeah. Yeah. So that we can make sense of it and repack if we need to, or just be cool. Yeah. No, I, like, I'm feeling better. You know, like, I, I really am, you know, better, not good, but better. Yeah. And you're still, like I said, it's okay. You might've hit some of that acceptance. You're going to cycle back through all those stages. That's what I'm trying to prepare for. And like, understand that like my feelings have nothing to do with her. They'd be do. triggered by her, right? Yeah, right. yeah they yeah, do, yeah. but totally. they don't. Totally. You know? Yeah. And we're, 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 we got to find a new normal. Got to find a yeah. new way to be, right? Because, like, I do, I want to get to the point where, like, I'm so secure in myself that I can allow her and be a friend of my life. That's my ultimate goal. And if I'm never friends with her, that's okay. But I want the ability yeah. 
to be friends with her yeah. and not worry about it. I love that. I love that. Especially the way you're saying it, like the ability to be, to allow that. Yeah. If she chooses not to, that's on her, but. And I want to be okay with that. I don't want to just fool myself into <laughs> thinking like, sure, no, I'm good. I want to actually be good. Yeah. Because there's parts of us that, especially after breakup, think, well, I want them to see me doing well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. To show that I'm doing well and I'm okay. Yep. Okay, well, let's actually do well and be okay. Right. Then it doesn't matter whether or not they see it. Exactly. Right? That's exactly what I want to get. And welcome back. That was great. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I no longer ask you what you think. You're right. You you pretty much tell me what you think all the time. (laughs) I sure do. I have that tendency. I appreciate that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whether I ask for it or not. (laughs) No, I I do that. I feel like in my life in general. Yep. So uh, let's see. So Drew started out with, I think, something that we can all relate to. He said he was feeling jealous that his ex can just sort of walk away and be fine. Oh, yeah. And then actually he he quickly realized that that was like his perception. You pointed it out. or You didn't point it out. He sort of immediately corrected himself or caught himself. And then you were like, right. good catch. What I did think was interesting, and this was later down the line, you said that you're 99% sure that she's not doing what he thinks, that she's not just like fine and walked away and is totally fine. And my thought is, right. eh, I'd give that a 50-50. I don't think she was really in the relationship. I think she had one foot out the door the entire time. And I think sure. it is yeah. very possibly her being like, and I'm sorry, Drew, if you're listening to this, but very possibly being like, phew, like... God, I wanted to break up with him for a long time and I just never did it. And so she may be, and, and again, there's a distinct chance she's not okay or she does miss him, but I've been in relationships where I'm like, Oh yeah. You know, totally. My point though, in that wasn't necessarily let's figure out what her process is, where she is in the process, what she's actually thinking or feeling. It was more like, I can guarantee we don't know what she's thinking and feeling. Right. And that was partly like his issue throughout the whole relationship is unlike you just saying what you think whenever it comes up. Right. Right. She just wouldn't talk. Even when he was like, I want to talk, let's talk. Yeah. And she was uncomfortable, didn't do it. So highlighting that whatever he thinks is coming from him. It's his projection of she's just moved on. She doesn't care about me. She's totally fine. Right. Yeah, we don't know that at all. For sure. In fact, what you're describing, having one foot out of the relationship the entire time, she was like, oh, phew, okay, done with that. Um, My bet would be where my 99% is, there are deeper issues there that she has not looked at at all. And she's going to keep repeating some of those patterns in relationships until she does take a look. Sure, sure. Yeah, of course. And I think for me, you know, and this is one of those sessions where I was like, Doug and I have a really different style sometimes. A lot of similarities, but because I like to say things like, look, you may be right. She may be really glad to not be in it anymore. And she may not. I like to make it a not a little, not jarring. I'm not sure what the word is, but what I can think of is a lot of times when people talk about their pets and they say things like, no, I 
I, if my dog died, I couldn't go on. And I say to them, your dog's going to die and your dog's going to die before you do most likely. And they're like, don't even say that. I'm like, no, but, but that's real. Your dog's going to die. And so if you're not going to be able to go on without them, we should prepare for that now. Like so that you and your dog can die together. Mm. Literally. I say that, (laughs) but because, and I get it, I get it's hyperbolic and it's the feeling of like, oh my God, I'll miss my dog so much. So I kind of say to them, look, maybe he is cheating. Maybe he is, you know, doing all these things that you think. And guess what? Like that fucking sucks. And you don't know. And the point is, if he is like, do you want to be with him anyway? Type thing. Mm, yeah. Not that we're talking about cheating, but just as an example. Sure. For me, it would be, okay, that's a way of thinking that will lead to a, a feeling that will create negative behaviors um, or ineffective behaviors. And you'll start doing things that you don't like, that you don't want to do. And you'll realize it later. And I go, well, let's, let's get to the root and go with, all right, what you're feeling. Okay. That's, that's a valid feeling. What you're thinking might not be accurate. So if we can kind of look at the feeling to help us see the thoughts and, and challenge those a little bit, then it, it loosens up. Right. You know, so that, that idea of, yeah, your dog is going to die. Let's prepare for that. Well, you're never really going to be prepared for it necessarily. No, of course, what you're yes. going to realize is you will be okay and it will happen and we won't like it. Exactly. And don't think about it all the time. But when you say something like, if my dog dies, I'm going to die. I take that very seriously. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to make sure yeah. maybe you're just being a little hyperbolic. And that leads me to the next point that I really was interested in that when Drew said that his emotions are out of proportion, I literally wrote, no, No, they're not. And then he said, it is out of proportion how sad I am right now. And I was like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. And then you sort of said something that validated that. And I was thinking, you know, because of the work I do, I work in so much emotional dysregulation where I say at some point, the reaction is incongruent to the situation. So when the guy is unhappy with his co-workers and then he goes and shoots everyone in the post office, that is an incongruent reaction. That is a huge reaction to being unhappy with somebody that you work with or whatever, right? There's also a mental health issue there, obviously. But so I do not think, I think if he was laying on the couch sobbing for two weeks, that wouldn't be out of proportion. And he's not even doing that. Yeah. And I think we might be in semantic territory here because I think of what you're describing as that's not incongruent. It's congruent. It's just out of proportion. Yeah. Right. Why? Because you're, you're angry with your coworkers. So you have that anger, your response and the action that you take is out of proportion for what it actually was. Yes, yes, yes. I agree. But that's why I'm asking, why did you agree with Drew when you said that his, how sad he is, is out of proportion right now? Because it was not just the situation with his girlfriend. That's why I think I quickly went into, you know, the idea of all the baggage that we carry around with us. For the coworker that gets mad and, you know, goes and shoots up the place. I mean, horrible example, but I guess it's the one we're using. Right I know. Here. Sorry, guys. Don't, don't do that ever. No. I would say, again, the, the feeling and the thought, like they're congruent, but out of proportion because it's not just whatever that one coworker said that one time. 
Yeah, there's way deeper, of course. Right. Yeah. It's not that one piece of straw that broke the back. It's the accumulation of all that straw on its back. So for Drew, when he was talking about, I'm so sad, I've never been this sad. Well, there are two things that you know clicked for me. One is you're allowing the sadness to come in and we can actually talk about it without having to distract or get away from it. And he actually even said that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And the second is this isn't just this sadness with this girl. It's anybody, it's, I even said it, I think in this session and something that you picked up on a while back when he said, everybody always leaves, right? Yeah. So his sadness is to me directly related to and proportionate to that way of thinking, which is erroneous unless you look at it as the accumulation. If you've accumulated that much, yes, being that sad is proportionate, but it's disproportionate to just this breakup. You think? I do. Okay. Yeah. We can agree to disagree. It's trauma response for a lot of people. You know, when you have a trauma response to a situation. If you had had no trauma ever in your entire life and you were distraught, like couldn't get off the couch for two weeks over a breakup, I still think that's proportionate. In that case, it might be. Yeah. If, If you're not holding a previous frame of reference and previous unresolved issue from it, then sure. Oh, I see what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Okay. So you're saying that his previous traumas were so big that comparatively speaking, his sadness is... Sorry, I just saw a little chipmunk. That was cute. (laughs) Well, the example that I was giving in the session about the disproportionate response and how, you know, we got triggered and we protect ourselves and we can handle a certain trigger sometimes. But when we think like, oh God, why am I so fucked up over this? Why am I having such a big reaction? Like it's, it seems disproportionate. It is because it's not just that one trigger. It's what got triggered. It's everything underneath that. It's all the, all the baggage, all the hurt, all the pain, all the things that never got dealt with before are still there. They don't go away. So you're validating his, his feeling of it being disproportionate and here's why. Correct. I'm not, I'm not invalidating having the feeling. No, that's perfect. And it can give us a guide. I mean, there's, there's wonderful books. Um, the body keeps the score. There's uh, Peter Levine's waking the tiger all about the trauma response that we experience physically and the link of that to what we hold emotionally. That's, that's why with a lot of clients, when they're going through something like this, I say, Hey, we need, we need to discharge this, you know, cause you're going to, you're going to hold this. Your body goes right. into that primal fight, flight, or freeze response. And you, you have this, and that's the, the, the feeling of, wanting to curl on the couch and cry and not get out from under the covers, that's that freeze or submit response where it's a survival mechanism. Animals that, that feign death you know, in the wild to avoid actual death or, or the actual threat, you know, they go through that, but your, your body holds on to that in some way. And if you, I think Peter Levine studies when he studied animals and somatic experiencing, which is awesome work, he saw that a lot of these animals after having some sort of trauma like that, they would just shake. You would, you would see their bodies shaking, right? So he incorporated that as there's a discharge that needs to happen. So when something triggers us, we can go back to that original trauma and back to all the trauma that we've built up and compartmentalized. And if you remember earlier, he even used the word compartmentalized the last couple of weeks. 
Uh-huh. You know, he's realizing that he is packing something away and not dealing with it. He even said, you know, I think a few sessions ago, yeah, when things are going good, I worry that I'm just not look, I'm not seeing that there's some bad. Yeah, exactly. I loved that he said this. He said, well, first he said he's in the acceptance stage. And I, I think, I don't know if I heard you be a little, like just a little hesitation of like, are you buddy? And then he said acceptance of who she really is. And then he said that he's focusing not on what he did wrong, but what this is going to allow him to do and the freedom it's going to provide him. And I was like, good job. And I reminded him too, that those, those stages of grief, you know, it's not linear. Like he's not, oh, I reached acceptance. I'd never have to do anger, bargaining, denial. Like I'm done. Cool. I graduated. Exactly. No, yeah. No, sorry, buddy. You're going you're to circle through it all over again, almost daily, sometimes hourly, maybe weekly. Right. But he is at least recognizing like, yeah, I think I'm moving towards that, that acceptance and, and accepting how she was. And yeah, he's having moments of it at least. Like he said, he went from 24 hours a day thinking about her two hours a day or something. So, and I always tell people that is the thing. Time heals all wounds. I don't know that it heals all wounds, but the further you get away from something, usually the less you focus on it. And so usually the less pain you feel over time. That doesn't mean when you think about it, it doesn't cause you just as much pain. Right, right. Okay, so going back to the session, a question I have, I had to actually rewind and listen again because he mentioned the roommate and going to get Mm. stuff and how she was like bitchy and left it outside. And and it sounded like you guys were talking about the ex-girlfriend. So I rewound it because I was like, wow, were they really, really close? Like, is that why he was so <laughs> wounded by it that, that she right. d- decided not to get out of bed and just leave his shit outside? Cause I don't not understand that. Yeah. I even asked him, I think it got cut because I was using their names. Um, it was just easier to leave it out. But I said, is that your girlfriend or is that your, the, her roommate? He was like, oh, that's the uh. roommate. But what he was saying was it's reaffirming, like just being around this type of person, around these yeah, kinds of people, yeah. like these are not my people. Right. You know, this is not how I want to be treated. And it's not necessarily girlfriend, but I think the sense that I got was girlfriend was just like checked out of that exchange. Like she wasn't going to have anything totally. to do with it. The roommate was going to handle it. Then the roommate was like, hey, can you come by tomorrow? And he's like, what the fuck? No. Right. You know, what he didn't right. say is, no, I've been processing this in therapy and working towards this and it's really stressful and, and you know, yeah. I, I've got a lot of anxiety. I would like to just come get this done. No, he was like, fuck you, bitch. I'm coming. Just kidding. He didn't say that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> Your whole analogy with baggage and checking in the hotel with the bags and unloading them and pull, pulling them apart and looking at like, what do I need? What do I want to get rid of? So lovely, Doug. Such a great analogy. Oh, thank you. And that's what I was talking about when you and I were talking earlier about the disproportionate response. And that was my way of highlighting it. I think this is actually when we were talking about the disproportionate response. Like, right, you're responding with a suitcase full of baggage. Let's dump the bag, see where all this stuff comes from, see what it is, see what we want, see what we don't want. Right. Some of it, this is where we might need to go. Like, where did this come from? Like, oh yeah, uh, you got that at Target like six years ago. I don't wear this anymore. (laughs) Like, fuck that. Like, what about this? Like, oh, you got that at at Barney's or Fred Siegel. Like, that's a nice one. Like, yeah, but I, I don't like that either. Okay. Right. So it's, it's sifting through the parts of, of yourself and sifting through some of the, the issues and baggage to find out sometimes where they came from. And you might need to go, 
when the hell was I in target? I don't remember being in target, you know, and uh, <laughs> the analogy for that or metaphor, whatever the frick I'm using is where did this come from? Was this my relationship with mom? Was this an early girlfriend? How, how did I start shaping this way? You know, what happened here? Yep. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Another thing he said is that he doesn't think that he wasted a year that he's going to get things out of it. I always, right. I'm so glad when people can realize that because that's where so many people's minds go, especially if they're at an age where they want to get married or have kids and, oh my God, I waste three years of my life. I'm like, well, I don't know. I get it. I get, I understand the feeling. Of course it's valid. Yeah. And also the thought is not correct like that. And that's something you said very early on in the podcast. I think week two, maybe, you know, when a client just had six years sober and relapsed and then goes, well, there it goes. You're like, what? Well, yeah. hang on. No, exactly. no, it did go away. You still had those six years sober. What about the realizations you had during that time? It's still valid. Right. Another thing he said that stood out for me. So he was talking about his pastor and what he, I don't know, the pedestal or the relationship that he had with his pastor and, and something you said, which was, yeah, when we're little and we see our teachers out buying fucking cookies or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> and it's interesting because I think, and I know for sure that so many people do that with therapists. I used to do that with therapists. Totally. A lot of my clients do, or they bring it up and it's just so interesting. And I think with you and I, when our transparency provide that knowledge that we are not perfect at all. And I take this approach as well sometimes, but in narrative therapy, which is a type of therapy you start out explaining that you are not an expert at all. Right. You're not the expert. You're just right there with the the client and you're both figuring stuff out. Just knowing that therapists have faults and living in LA, I have clients that I run into sometimes out in the world. Mm. And I always let them know when I find out they live in Santa Monica or Venice, I say, Hey, just so you know, like I live right down the street here's how it works. If I see you out in public, I'm not going to say hi to you. That's breaking confidentiality. If you say hi to me, that's fine. Right. And then I'm like, have had a couple, I don't really get wasted ever, but there's a couple times that I've had a, <laughs> a, few. a good amount of drinks. And I'm like, I'm thinking, fuck man, I'm walking down the street in Venice. If I run into a client, like I better turn the other way. And this one right. time I ran into a client in the market and I look at her and I'm about to be like, oh my God. And then I'm like, no blinders keep going. And then right. she was like, Hey, you know, yep, but it's yep. so weird. We have, we could have similar lives to our clients. Right. And we, we were trying to break that down early on too. And there are some schools of, of therapy, some modalities where it isn't transparent. So you don't ever have totally. a sense of that. And I think there's a couple of things going on with this and we could do a whole insight out about this because it's, it's I was going to say that for yeah, sure. It's really interesting. And what I said when I gave the analogy, as a, as a kid, if you see your teacher out, you freak out. Mm -hmm. And that's where I was like, Mr. Wilson eats apples? What? Right. Mind right. blown, right? And, you know, with therapists, it's, it's a very similar thing. And for some people and some therapists and schools of thought, you don't want to break the frame that you have in the office. So you want to maintain those roles so you don't want to show anything of yourself so it doesn't affect right. the client in session. We don't necessarily practice that way. There's a whole other can that's opened up where Zooming or remoting with clients, um, not emoting, but remoting, <laughs> right? where 
they're seeing you in presumably your home. You know, I have some colleagues that are still going into the office to do their virtual sessions from their office. One of my colleagues even said, you know, you can take a picture of, you know, what your client sees in the office and make that your background on Zoom. Like, oh, okay. But that's a glimpse inside your your home in your life. That's seeing you eating that apple. Like, what? Mr. Wilson, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> I think it's kind of cool because it's a natural, it's an organic situation to the fucking pandemic that like this is happening. And yeah, you could put up a, you know, whatever the therapist thinks is important. Right. And whatever you guys just heard is a condensed version <laughs> <laughs> that will be expanded on in an upcoming Insight Out because yeah. that it really is interesting that the different roles and the duality that we walk and that we try to hold for our clients. Totally. So stick around. Next week, you'll hear more of Drew processing through the breakup and, and seeing him coming out the other end. We will talk at you guys next week and find us on Facebook and Twitter and Twitter, Instacart. Twitter and TikTok. <laughs> By the way, I'm addicted to like a three second TikTok song and there's like the little TikTok dance challenge. Oh my and there's God. Like one little song. I just can't get out of my head. It's like that dance where they do that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. I wish you no, guys could see this. You guys right can't now. see that, but, uh, no. <laughs> my sister see, and I were watching TikTok moves. We were watching dog TikToks for like an hour yesterday. It was amazing. Wow. Well, we are not on TikTok, but no, we are not. viewing quite a bit of TikTok. <laughs> and speaking of TikTok, we are out of time. <laughs> <laughs> Tickety talk. Bye-bye. We'll uh, talk at you next week. Bye. Bye.